ho everyone and welcome to uh, today's super super special episode of our brand strategy podcast this one is the christmas special i'm sorry i had to do that that is the uh, do, do you recognize that chris by the way i what do it's from? And I, I and i suspect we'll probably be hearing a lot of that it's the it's, <laughs> it is at the, that was Frank Sinatra. I think a better start of a, pot, uh, a oh, Christmas special. So I could hear the jingling bells. Is, is, is that uh, his one where he does the J I N G? Yes, 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 yes. I'll throw that. I'll throw that in a few times here and there. Anyway, so the what we're going to do today is well, we're going to chat. We we're not going to have any special experts today. The the experts will be uh, us Chris and um, and basically what I'd like to do is, is talk a little bit about the uh, what we've learned from the last let's say 14 or 15 episodes that we uh, we've done uh, but before that I also want to celebrate um, uh, two other people that have been super instrumental in uh, the last 14 15 episodes of this podcast uh, one of them is uh, Jamie Stinson our editor so Jamie just you know a quick question for you and normally we don't hear your voice in these podcasts uh, which is unfortunate because you got a great voice. We heard you once when we celebrated you for your wedding, of course. Uh, but Jamie, how are you uh, enjoying uh, Christmas this year with family or on the lockdown? Anything special? Uh, I apologize if uh, if it's a bit noisy. Um, next door to the office beside me, there's a Christmas party going on and there's a lot of uh, singing and, uh, and caroling going on. But um, this Christmas, I'll be, uh, me and my wife will be uh, going back to uh, my parents in Ireland for the Christmas. I'll nice. That with my family. Are you allowed to travel? Just about. Just about. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. good and great hearing from you, Jamie. And thanks for all the hard work. Uh, and then uh, Sejal. Uh, Sejal is, is is one of the, the best supporters and assistants uh, for these uh, tapings of this podcast. So, Sejal, how are you? I'm very well, Dawa. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, what are your? No, thank you. And what are your plans? So, the plans this year, hopefully, if everything goes ahead with, is uh, having the extended family around uh, for um, Christmas Day. And we, we will start uh, celebrations with a bang in the morning with a nice bottle of bubbles. And presents? Oh, definitely. Yes, no. presence always there. <laughs> Very good. Well, great hearing from you, Sejal, and thanks for all your help, of course. Uh, it's my pleasure. And now you, Chris. So what are your plans, my friend, for Christmas? Well, we've got um, almost all of our family right here in Nashville. So my wife and I have three uh, teenage boys, and my sister has three teenage boys and a teenage girl. Um, so we usually get together at my parents' house for um, a family uh gift exchange and football games so whether it's snowing raining sunny whatever we'll probably be out uh, in the yard playing ball american football i should clarify um, oh, so sounds... we, we just pray for no injuries uh, on christmas day because of what we do yeah that sounds great i'm i have to say we're doing it with a small family because we're in a, uh, still in a lockdown here in the netherlands uh, which is unfortunate because what we normally do i don't know if you ever heard of it uh, chris normally we would have a like six or seven families together with children in all kind of ages. Mm -hmm. And we would do Mean Center. Have you ever done Mean Center? 
Oh yeah, we call it Dirty Santa. Dirty yeah. Santa, right, exactly. <laughs> so for those listeners that don't know what it is, it's really awesome. Uh, so you all bring one gift, not for one person, if you just bring one gift for a certain amount of money, right? Only whatever, 20 euros, $20, uh, and everybody gets a number. So number one, the first person on the list gets to choose a gift and you unwrap it and everybody looks at it, you show it to everyone, no big deal. Number two, however, has a choice. You can either pick another present from under the tree or you say, you know what? I'll have that present that number one got and you steal it from number one and then number one has to pick uh, a new gift from the tree and it goes on and on and on. And of course, the number with the last person can choose from all the gifts from everyone or pick the last one left under the tree, which is a great game, especially when you start stealing gifts from like five-year-olds. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Dal, we just uh, played that game with some friends here in Nashville the uh, day before yesterday. And I actually I went home with a really nice uh, uh, Starbucks can of cocoa. So, oh, hey, did you yeah. steal it or did you? I did. I had to steal it to get it. But I, I was one of the fortunate ones who drew a, uh, a late number. So I was <laughs> one of the last ones. So I got to kind of steal it. And that was my uh, that was my choice. So I was happy Correct. to go yeah. All right. Now, listen. See, I'm using this. I'm using the jingles to move to the next topic. How's that? Transition. This, uh, okay. There's a little transition jingles. All right. So, listen, uh, before we get into a little discussion on the content, what I've tried to do, Chris, and I hope you like it, I've clustered the uh, all the topics that we've discussed in sort of three topics, and I thought we can go through each of them. You know, there's been a number of uh, podcasts where we discussed, let's say, contextual changes that affect brand growth, things like scenario planning, um, different scenarios that we can expect in the future. Um, Darren spoke about the empty world and the uh, the focus on premiumization. Uh, we talked about uh, uh, automotive, e-commerce, so that whole area of context, right? Another topic is something about this data-driven consumer centricity. We had an interesting topic early in the beginning, but it um, and, and, and but it was an interesting topic, and there were we had a lot of questions about this. So I want to talk a little bit more about that data-driven consumer centricity if we have time. Sure. And the third topic was like new consumer behaviors. We talked about how people's the, the way consumer choose, like, you know, uh, we, we call the dancing with duality, brand consciousness, uh, different viewpoints on brand perspective, people having different routines, right? Different, um, we talk about sustainability a lot. So, and all of these different behaviors driven maybe by the uh, disruptive times that we're living in, by pandemic, the climate change, and how that affects brand choice. So those are sort of three clusters. What do you think, Chris? Sounds great. Uh, and I think, yeah, in a lot of ways, contextual change sort of hovers over all those uh, topics, right, as, as kind of an umbrella. Uh, so, yeah, so I guess we're going to uh, we're going to kind of do the greatest hits here for, for our Christmas special. Yeah. Well, in that case, hold on. <laughs> Let's start with the first. Let's start with the first one. The, uh, the contextual changes, uh, Chris. Very good. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's. 
in any secret that uh, we've, we've gone through a, um, a multi-dimensional uh, kind of contextual shift over, over the last year and a half. And yeah. now I know we've written some some papers on this topic that talks about how, in a way, the, the multi-dimensional crisis kind of ladders up to a, a control crisis. But when I say multi-dimensional, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's not just a, a health crisis, which we're still dealing with. Um, we're talking about the financial aftershocks of that uh, health crisis. Crisis. Uh, we're talking about social unrest, uh, political disruption, all of which is playing out against, um, you know, uh, an environmental crisis. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, I well, remember we got some things on their mind these days. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, we we said that it's not. Uh, I remember that it was it was not a. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's it's that people feel a lack of control. Right, okay. it's not so much a financial crisis or a health crisis, but it's almost a control crisis. So I was wondering, Chris, um, because I was I was I was writing something up for the for our next uh, um, uh, essentials study, right? Our biweekly sort of study, and and thinking about uh, this topic a little bit. So, are you an optimist? Or a pessimist when it comes about sort of consumer behavior and the future in general. Would you consider yourself an optimist or a pessimist? Well, I would consider myself an, an optimist. But, you know, whatever the environmental cards are that w- were dealt, we'll work with it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 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 yeah. To, to that degree, I, I consider myself an optimist. I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm bracing myself for, um, you know, w- whatever curve we might be thrown next. And I think uh, one of our, uh, uh, one of our panelists from, from uh, earlier in the year, actually, in, in doing a, a 2025 forecast, said, "Hey, you know, we're probably due for a major, major cataclysmic weather event, you know, so, something like yeah. that." So I think, yes, you, you brace yourself for those types of things. You try to prepare yourself. You have, you have uh, uh, various scenarios mapped out, um, but uh, provided you're you're anticipating, you know, uh, the, the changes that could come your way to the degree you can. Um, I, I think that that can imbue you with a certain level of, of confidence, right? Yeah. Uh, and positivity. It's like, yeah. Or you could take a victim mentality, which, you know, I just rather not go there. No, I think so too. And I was thinking that you could almost compare the situation that we're in, where people are worried, right? We saw that from some of the data, the latest data from Essentials. People don't know how long it will take. Um, You you see this sort of tribalization with growing groups of disenfranchised people. Uh, You see differences by country. In some countries, um, uh, uh, people are unhappy with the way the government is taking control of the pandemic, etc. So people are unsure insecure, worried, but you could almost compare that, and this is the way I'm seeing it, is if a company is transitioning from one level of growth to the next level of growth, that goes, normally you go through this this moment of chaos, right? It's not a neat transfer, not a neat transition from one step change to the other step, right? Sure. The step change always comes with chaos. And when you're in that chaotic time, it's hard to see, you know, where the next step, what it will look like. But once you're in it, it's like a new stability. You find a new stability. I personally feel that it's a, it's a bit the same that we're in. We don't know what scenario will play out. Will we come into sort of a wave economy where there will be new waves of COVID hitting us, you know, once or twice a year? Will we get through this whole COVID and it will be behind us or something in between? But whatever situation we uh, will arrive. I believe we will find a way, a stabilized way to deal with that new situation. 
It's just that we don't see that yet. So for me, I think translating that into what companies should do, I think companies need to give people more that hope and trust and reassurance that it may take time. It's a bit of a chaotic time, but there will be, we'll get through this. We'll get this. Like, don't yeah. worry. And I think you make a great point that, uh, especially at a time where uh, institutional trust is at an all-time low, right? Yes. Um, so, you know, uh, trust in, in, in the church, uh, trust in uh, the government, uh, you know, we've seen those things kind of erode o o over time. Um, and, you know, even in that essential study that, that you just referenced, you know, uh, trust in, in uh, international, you know, agencies, uh, World Health Organization, local governments, et cetera, it, it, it's kind of going down, down, down. However, uh, you do see um, faith in corporate brands kind of going the other way, right? That there is there is more uh, of an openness to commercial brands, you know, as 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 kind of being that that's that role of stabilization. Ah, that, like they're taking stable. over these taking over the roles of the institutions in a way. Uh, Potentially, right? And and I think uh, Daryl made the point, you know, when when we had him on talking about uh, the graying planet, et cetera, yeah. we went off on a little bit of a tangent, but it, it was a great one um, where, you know, we said, uh, if you think about all the governments um, around the globe, they all have a limited geographic remit, right? Um, that they can only control so much. They can only influence so much. Um, however, um, there are plenty of commercial brands with a truly global remit. Yeah. Uh, so, so it kind of makes sense whether we're conscious of of why we're looking at brands as as a as a potential, uh, you know, kind of stabilizer or not. That could be playing a big part in it, right? It's like you know, the brands actually have. A, a global remit. You know, look at some of the vaccines that have been developed, right? They were yeah. by global brands. Um, sometimes yeah. we lose sight of things like that. So, so, so yeah, I, I think there there is in some cases a, a real opportunity for brands to step up and play a, a role in global stabilization and almost, I don't want to say replace those institutions, but maybe fill the void a little bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point. If I just, I, I agree that topic that Daryl discussed was super interesting. He actually sent me an email last week. He said, it's uh, kind of unfortunate that I didn't have that data during the podcast. He sent me this note that uh, like India's fertility rate, which was, I think, 2.4 or 2.5 when he read the, wrote the book, um, he said it's now 2.0, which is below the replacement yeah. rate Basically, of yeah. 2.1, right? And he said it's like 1.6 in cities and 2.1 in rural areas. And that's pretty uh, unexpected because he said what the World Health Organization had expected that when we get through the pandemic, that many of these workers in cities would go home uh, to their rural families and start creating families that would lead to a birth boom. But instead, it's actually in India, it's happening the same thing is happening in a lot of Western uh, worlds where the fertility rate because of the pandemic is dropping much faster than even expected. So it seems that Daryl's uh, um, words on the uh, empty planet and the aging population 
is is happening even faster than we yeah, thought. Yeah, I think the, the the fertility bit is actually decelerating at, at a, a, a more enhanced rate than than he initially <laughs> right? Uh, and, and that's an interesting point too, because we talk about you know these very unpredictable variants, these unpredictable weather events, um, you know, and, and they are, right, right? You don't know. You don't know where the virus is going, you yeah. know, if the virus is going to pop up. There's just no way of forecasting that. But we can do a reasonable job of forecasting, uh, you know, population growth, population trends. Yeah. We know darn well, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm going to quote him here, you know, he said that uh, uh, planetary graying is going to have more impact on public policy than global warming. Uh, and I think we came back and said, yeah, and you know what? It's also going to have more impact on commercial activity and marketing totally. uh, exactly. than, than global warming because it, it, it is predictable. You know, you can, you can plan for this. You can adjust for this. And I find it so fascinating because, you know, I, I would argue that since World War II, we have lived in a youth-obsessed planet, <laughs> you know? Um, it's like the the marketing is all about oh how do I attract uh, new up and coming consumers to my brand? How do I convince old people that that they can become young people? You know, or they can they yeah. should their goal in life to should should be to preserve their youth or you know whatever. Um, it, with all the money, uh, with, with the population going that way, with the money going that way, it really makes you pause and go, huh? Could we see a seismic shift in marketing direction that celebrates? People of a certain age yeah. acknowledges acknowledges the, exactly. you know, the the behaviors, the adjustments that come with age, as opposed to trying to pretend we're twenty years younger than we are. Yeah, exactly. I remember that Darren said that I thought it was kind of an interesting because uh, I always talk about millennials and Gen X and Gen Z. He said, "Well, remember the first millennials are over forty. Yeah, right. So we're we're getting sort of a group of, I wouldn't say elderly, but that are super." Uh, well first in social commerce and e-commerce and right uh, because they've grown up with it of course uh, by the way on that that's an, an interesting little bridge um, remember that uh, podcast we did on uh, uh, the disruptive uh, social e-commerce in China right because yes. all of these this pandemic and the things that we just discussed have been a trigger to 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 new business models so I found that really interesting, the live streaming, and which is not yet a big um, uh, driver of volume uh, in Western markets. Yet in China, it's one of the largest sort of growth channels, right? This live streaming. I thought it was very interesting. What do you think? Well, yeah, and uh, well, part of the generation that might not indulge in that quite so much. <laughs> so I think we have to follow, follow. Oh, that's true. On, the, on the, the chat with with Janet, definitely something to be uh, you know very very conscious of moving forward. You're right. Yeah, and by the way, that's one right. The uh, the change in this this new um, new channels and opening of all these new disruptive social e-commerce channels, but also the the impact that all of this contextual changes has on on business models. I thought it was super uh, interesting uh, uh, on the podcast on automotive. Um, where Oscar was talking about that uh, the new uh, uh, move to ele electric cars, right? That electric cars are completely different things than general cars. I mean, they look the same, but like there's no maintenance, 
So dealerships have to rethink themselves. Uh, so you know, it, it's it's affecting complete business models of whole automotive categories. Yeah, well, and um, we do uh, have an electric vehicle in the garage, and uh, you're you're right. They they look very similar, and they achieve a similar transportation purpose um but the day-to-day care and feeding of that car is completely different right uh, than, than the other cars that that we have in the garage and it, it's so cool it's like when we need something done uh you know and and you're right there are far fewer maintenance events uh to, to begin with but when we do need something done someone comes to us um, someone actually comes to us and visits us in our driveway. We don't actually take it to a dealership for, for servicing, right? So just exactly. completely puts the whole uh, whole model on, on, on its ear. And I love it. It, it reminds me of like the, the old days where doctors used to do house calls. Yeah. Half our listeners are probably sitting there going, what the hell is a house call? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, it's like you know, a doctor would actually visit you to 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 to, to care for you in, in your home. Uh, that's kind of what that's what Tesla does, right? They they send people. It just it's it's wild, and it makes you feel great as a consumer. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, the tech actually came to me. That's so cool. And by the way, they don't even call themselves a car company anymore. They are a you know a, a battery slash software company, mm-hmm. right? And, and interesting, I was thinking about that the other day. I was sitting around with friends, and I don't talk about cars in general, but we happen to talk about cars because somebody bought a new car, right? And I remember in the past, we would talk about horsepower, miles, yeah. gas ratio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that? You know, and now we talk about completely different things. Like there's different sort of ratio, different KPIs that you discuss when you talk about cars. Now it's more what a model looks like, the look and feel, the software, you name it. It's interesting how the world has changed. It is. It, you're, you're right. I haven't heard anybody <laughs> use the word horsepower in a long, long time. No. Now <laughs> we're talking about reindeer power, right? This time of year. <laughs> All right. So, so that, of course, hold on, is a, uh, a little bridge. There we go. The bells there are you back. go. So let's give you for time reasons. Quickly move to another topic uh, um, on the data-driven consumer centricity. Remember, we talked about the consumer consciousness, uh, and for those people that uh, uh, it was a it was a much downloaded paper. And uh, if you're interested in that paper or you want to hear more, that was quite a popular topic. You can always send us an email right at getting it right at ipsos.com. Uh, but interestingly enough, we we did, uh, uh, Chris, we did a follow-up research uh, because I don't know if you remember. We basically what we said in that in that study was that uh, uh, consumer consciousness or, or data-driven uh, consumer centricity had like three pillars, right? And and briefly, it, it, it's about you know how well uh, do you collect. Uh, data and how well is the data connected is one pillar. The second pillar, how well does it generate all that data and connected data, how well does it generate insights? And the third pillar was how well do you activate it and how well do you learn it and, and loop it back, right? Absolutely. Now, after the podcast, we did we did some research and, and just I thought two I thought interesting findings that I that I share here. There was some research done in the Netherlands among about 80 clients um, uh, and 80 people in the research industry. And you saw some interesting findings. Among the clients, it was interesting that uh, uh, what 
they thought they were they are doing really well is data availability, but less the connecting of the data, which I thought was interesting, right? Even though, and but but the interesting thing is when we ask the agencies, they thought that the clients were really good at uh, data connectivity. How's that? And and the parts where the clients thought they were really failing, in the third pillar. The socializing data was good, right? They felt they were really sharing the data among, uh, you know, internally very well. The two areas that are falling behind is activating the data into, you know, uh, uh, real actions, and then feeding the feedback loop, feeding the results back into the uh, into the system. So that was interesting. Uh, and the last piece that I thought I'd share, and I'd like to get your input on that as well, when you compare the results between the agencies and the clients. So the one thing that is really important was the socializing of the data, right? According to clients, according to agencies, the most important point is connecting all the data points. Probably because that's where agencies think they can help. Having having spent a number of years on on the client side, looking after you know, insights and analytics shop, uh, I I would concur with uh, with the client's self assessment. And I know I'm painting with a very broad brush here, and that's not entirely fair to everyone because that's what we do here. That's there's there's a, there's a continuum, right? There's, exactly. There's some, there are some clients who uh, are exemplary at at uh, at connecting and socializing their, their data, but the truth is there aren't many. Right, um, right. So, so the the vast majority are are kind of in 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 the middle, or even it may be lower middle um, in in their effectiveness, right, at, at connecting and and probably even more importantly, activating or socializing um, data. And it, it, a lot of it goes back to skill set, right? If you you look at the people who occupy uh, manager seats on on in insights groups or or analytics groups, they don't have a lot of training yeah. on on socializing of data, right? They have a lot of training on, on the techniques and the interpretation thereof, um, but they don't have a lot of personal training on how to how to connect d- different and related pieces together. And they certainly don't have a lot of training I- into how to socialize uh, and how to influence people to act upon yeah. the implications exactly. of their findings, right? And learning from it and feeding it back, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and that's where the, that's where the uh, training I think in in the industry is necessary. Because if you start to equip uh, people, you know, in these departments with those tools, well, now they become superstars. You know, yeah. uh, and, and that that's even true. So it, it, just thinking about the clients with whom we work, or the client or what it was like. Uh, on the client side, the real superstars in the business were the ones who did know how to do that, right? Uh, it knew how to dr- drive decisions, drive impact, and then what they, what the uh, the best behavior I would say that they, they exemplify is a cognizance that they need to understand the degree to which their work impacts the business, right? Uh, not not just kind of staying on Research Island and saying, oh, this is what you need to go do now. I'll come back and, and judge you a year from now. They're the ones who say, okay, you know, here's what you need to go do. Let's go work on this together. Let's measure this thing. Let's monitor this thing together. Let's understand the impact and make adjustments on the way. Those people are stars, um, but but they have to have some skin in the game. Right. To, to really socialize stuff and own the result, you, you got to get in there and mix it up. Right. You, you can't just be this this judge that, that periodically shows up once a year to uh, to give a report card. Yeah. And on the other side, a cry out to all the agencies uh, that are listening here that uh, there is a gap 
between that we think it's all about data connectivity, but in effect, it's more the way you just described it, Chris, where there's training and support needed from us. Yeah, and, and it, but it's the same thing, right? So, yeah. so the, the the perception of the importance about you know of, of data integration, I I would argue that it comes back to the manner in which those people were trained, right? <laughs> this yeah. is what this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm comfortable with. This, you know, um, they, they they kind of failed to connect that last dot to, to socialization, which and again, just to resummarize your your consumer consciousness paper, you know, it's 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 really cool, um, and and it, th- those three points availability, connectivity, ability to develop a a true fresh insight based on the learning, and then the ability to activate those things. And and like you said, uh, get get it to the point of a feedback loop so it's a true learning and adjustment system. That's the thing. That's the trick. Uh, So, uh, yeah. Great stuff. I, I can see you'd like to move on. Well, no, no, no. Well, well, we got, I just want to make sure that you spend a little bit of time on, on. On the consumer's new behavior, just uh, just just a few more minutes because we had a, a number of podcasts on this topic, and I really like you to see you know how you can bring these things together. We're talking, we were, we talked about the dance with duality. We spoke about the you know um, uh, some a viewpoint on some new brand perspective on sustainability and how we can track some elements of sustainability, new routines. So, what do you think of all of these uh, podcasts? That those there's a lot of thinking on this new consume behavior, uh, Chris. Yeah, well, this goes back to that overarching narrative of, of context, right? Um, for, for me, and there are a lot of interesting points that, that get landed in that Dancing with Duality paper, but um, you know, for, for me, the, the biggest of all is you know, we are contextual decision makers. You know? Yes. Um, and you, you might have a, a, a perception of a brand that is you know, semi-constant, if you will, or, or more permanent. Um, but uh, the, the context in which you evaluate, choose, use that brand, um, that is more dynamic. Exactly. Um, so, so if we want to really do a great job of brand measurement, um, I, I think our measurement frameworks need to to reflect that that dynamic context, um, which means we got to get closer to the moment, right? Um, in, in our measurement, um, and and we also have to acknowledge another key point in, in that paper, which is, you know, things don't. Uh, just distilled down into these simple system one, system two buckets, right, of, mm. of, of decision making. Rather, there, there's quite a, a continuum um, of decision making that starts with uh, something very fast and automatic on one end and progresses to something that's quite more contemplative or deliberative um, on, on the other. But but it's not yeah, just for, like a by the way, for, system. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, for the listeners who were not clear on what it was, I, I, I gave that example and I thought it was uh, – um, uh, it explained a little bit how that system one, system two, and going back and forth worked. Is when I mentioned the way my wife buys shampoo, right? There's a whole shelf with about 30 or 40 different choices, but she jumps in and she immediately, kind of system one, right, uh, uh, chooses or shortlist three or four. And then of those three or four, she starts reading all the ingredients and she really dives into her system to rational thinking which of those things she she then chooses, right? So it's not a pure system one choice. It's not a pure system two choice. It kind of moves back and forth during that decision process when she's standing there in front of the shelves. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so and I think there, there will be much to follow uh, on this topic. Uh, you know, yeah. we'll be talking a lot more about uh, kind of the the degree of automaticity that, that goes with, <laughs> with different types of decisions. We'll be talking about uh, personal relevance, cultural relevance, um, and uh, all these things kind of ladder up into how resilient your brand can be. In the moment of contextual selection, so yes, much much more to come on that. But Dal, you, you mentioned one other thing yeah. uh, in your your transition, which is new routines. Right? Yes, um, and I, I think we, we got to give a shout out to to Colin and Ollie who start on on one of our our podcasts, and I thought just did such a cool job of of uh, talking about how adjustments have been made during the pandemic and what brands can do. Um, and uh, to, I'll do something kind of similar to what you did with the uh, consumer consciousness thing, just to summarize a few of uh, points for, from one of Colin's papers. You know, when it comes to new rituals, right, um, and, and, and new routines, of course, he makes the distinction between a routine and a ritual. Yeah, a routine is something you normally do, but a ritual is, is something that you normally do that is imbued with, with meaning. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you would be okay with with my oversimplification of that. Um, but uh, but but given that you know if, if you're a brand and and you're trying to basically insert yourself um, in a meaningful way into a new routine um, to, to to kind of elevate it to ritual status, um, you've got to do a few things, right? You've got to recognize and affirm uh, kind of the new social norm or the new behavior. Um, you got to help people and kind of build those rituals, um, you know, whatever they may be, um, and and then affirm the, those behaviors and 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 kind of build a sense of what he calls shared experience. Show that other people are doing it too, right? You're not alone. Um, so yeah, if, if you want to get to that point where you're making yourself a central figure in a routine and start to distinguish your brand on that basis. I know those are some really helpful tips from him on, on how you might go about it. And I think maybe the, the most key point of all is to demonstrate that point of shared experience, um, you know, as, as, as you're, you're, you're engaging in a new behavior. So I don't know what you think about all that. Dal. That, that was no, a that was a good, that was a great <laughs> summary. And by the way, it was a really great uh, podcast. So if people are interested in that, go back, it's all online. So you can, uh, you can listen to it again. Yeah. I'm probably so, not doing it. Just Ollie and Colin are probably listening to that. <sighs> oh, come on, Chris. Why didn't you say that? That's not the way we explained it to you guys. I uh, know they're going to be really upset. So listen, there was much more to say. Um, uh, we talked about sustainability, which was a real interesting topic. Um, but I think given the time, this was sort of a brief sort of overview that we've done, right? We talked about contextual changes, that uh, the data and data-driven uh, consumer behaviors. Um, so we had a lot of super interesting topics. So with that, before I move to the end, let me just do my favorite. Okay, so that was a little longer than the other jingles, but uh, that was super interesting. Um, uh, We have uh, a few more uh, this season. Um, We have another one uh, um, on brand empathy. That's sort of the last one this season. Um, But if we say, Chris, like the last one this season, doesn't mean that we end. Uh, We're just going to start a new season. Uh, and uh, we'll think we will be thinking hard on new topics and new interesting uh, uh, topics for for the new year. Um, if any of the listeners uh, are interested or have an idea or want to be on our podcast, you can always send us an email to gettingitright at 
uh, ipsos.com. Uh, right quiz we're always interested in people's ideas thoughts and uh, and if they want to be on the on the podcast but other than that ho 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 Chris uh, this is <laughs> I can help myself hey, hey Dalek could, yeah. could I ask you a, a closing question we always ask our guests at the end of each podcast to say you know hey what's the one thing you, you, you hope you uh, our listeners walk away with of, of all the stuff that we've talked about you know for, for, from your view what, what do you think is kind of the single biggest most pervasive impactful theme that we've explored all right this is a a, a great great curveball uh a good, <laughs> a good question um you'll see i am uh i'm a real optimist and i always see my glass is always half full um a lot of podcasts have talked about the disruptive changes new things, um, the impact of the pandemic, uh, the difficult situation we're in, um, uh, the empty world, you name it. My biggest takeaway is that I truly believe that this is a time of opportunity for companies. I truly believe that this is a time to be innovative, to rethink our old business models. This is the time to be brave. And this is the time to prepare. And I believe that the winners coming out of this, and and you've seen that like in every disruptive time, in every transitional time, every time a company goes through sort of a chaotic uh, step change, the companies that embrace the change and, 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 and try to put a step forward instead of waiting it out are the ones that are going to be winners in the new world. Uh, you look in the past, you look at the, the, the Amazons, you look at the Teslas, you look at, you know, when things get, we're like, who was interested in the automotive industry? And then Tesla stepped in, right? And then they're now one of the biggest car companies in the world. So my takeaway is embrace this difficult time as a time of an opportunity. Be innovative, be brave, and get ready because uh, at some time things will settle down and, uh, and, and, and the brave ones will be the winners. That's my takeaway. I say a- amen to that. And if, yeah, if we go back to the, the Great Recession, um, it's no accident that the brave innovators and aggressors um, in that era are the most valuable brands in the world today. Um, so I won't name them. You know who they are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or as the British would say, Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Um, and so, Dala, I have one last closing question for you. And so, as many of our listeners know, Dala is fond of uh, asking unpredictable questions of me and our guests. So now I have one for Dala. <laughs> okay. So, Dala, you you are familiar with the song, The, the 12 Days of Christmas, on the first day of Christmas? Yes. Okay. Yes. How many of the gifts can you name <laughs> from the 12 Days of Christmas? Oh, my God. God, that is. No, you're doing with your eyes closed. I can see your face. Yes, I'm like you know, Google, Google, Google. <laughs> <laughs> Twelve days of Christmas. I think I can name anyone, any, and not any. Well, the, 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 I'll give you a hint. So the the the, the bridge is always five golden rings. Yes, I said the rings. I said the rings. Okay, and then what? Do you remember what comes there? No. No, we I got to... him stumped, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my God, you got me quiet. That's the first one ever, Chris. That's a All hard right. one. So for for the completists out there, yes, 
The uh, yes, the, the forest, the forest goes down to four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. But then it's six through twelve that get really dodgy. You got uh, geese laying, swans a swimming, maids a milking, ladies dancing, lords leaping, pipers piping, drummers drumming. If you'd asked me the same question, Dala, I could have done five, four, three, two, one. I would have fallen apart six through twelve. But uh, well, wanted to get you with a zinger. It's Christmas <laughs> karma. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it bounced back on me and exploded in my face well done chris thank you thank you all right guys listen that was a really good one so thanks all and uh thank you uh Sejal. thank you jamie uh thanks chris i hope everyone everybody has an amazing holiday season uh enjoy it with your family your loved one your best friends or alone or just try to uh, uh as an email that i've sent out to uh, to all in the uh to everyone uh, in in our company uh, there's one thing that I said that I think personally is very important is try to have a smile every day or a giggle or at least something which means you know tell a joke or you know just try to have a smile every day uh, that keeps a doctor away so with that it's the end of uh, the the uh, the Christmas special podcast uh, I hope uh, the listeners enjoyed it I promise that we get a real expert uh, on our next podcast to, uh, to support us if you want to learn uh, more you can go back uh, all the podcasts are live so you can find them uh, uh, on, on various platforms if you have questions or you're interested in any of the articles uh, send us an email at getting it right that's one word getting it right at ipsos.com so again happy holidays keep listening to our show and thank you for listening